You're listening to the Coach T Podcast, hosted by my dad. Welcome to another edition of the Coach T Podcast. My name is Isaiah Thomas. Appreciate all the love and support from all my wrestling friends out there that listen, and hopefully it is making a difference in those coaches' uh, programs, that they're taking some of the things that they're learning. And to understand what the purpose of this podcast is about is to have these diverse voices throughout the wrestling community and really in the sports community. As you see, I had previously a couple of weeks ago, I had an interview with uh, Coach McDonald of Bay State Western, a two-time state championship baseball coach. Uh, just to understand that coaching doesn't really change as much as much as the sport changes, if that makes any sense. So you can learn a lot from different coaches from different um, sports learning how to build a program, how to communicate with athletes and parents. So just take advantage of that. I have a great guest, a kid I've known, I should say a young man, because he's, he's becoming a young man now, that I've known since he was seven, eight years old. State Former state champion of the Davidson Cardinals, Mr. Max Johnson. Max, how are you doing? I'm good, Coach. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, enjoying this 23-degree uh, weather in Michigan. It's, uh, it's almost like uh, summertime. It's almost here. Yeah, you got to get used to it now this time of the year. It's not going away. No, not at all, not at all. So uh, the first time I met Max, we were actually, like you talk about, we workshop usually before we start our, our interviews and stuff. And I was saying when I met Max, he was probably seven or eight years old. And um, I remember this little spark plug basically when we watched him wrestle. And this was when I was repping freestyle and Greco pretty much every spring. And I got to see a lot of these top-tier wrestlers who end up having amazing careers in high school. So, But Max actually has a really good story of how we kind of met. So for the first time ever, I'm going to defer to the guest on this one. Wow, awesome. That's, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we, me and Coach Thomas, we have a, a great first story. And I think it, it can go back to on a lot of coaches on your attitude about the sport. So I was about seven or eight years old maybe three years into the sport. It seems like a long time. It's not that long time ago, but it seems like a long time ago. And we were at a uh, USAW freestyle wrestling tournament, a little tournament, probably had three kids on my chart. And I, and, and something happened along the lines where it was a push out or something. And my father, who was a decent wrestler, but never, I mean, he went and worked and he kind of got away from it, didn't know the rules. And he had gotten in Coach Thomas's face a little bit, you know, a young ref. You were you were young at that time. Oh and, yeah. <laughs> uh, he he was getting in your face, and I remember walking right in the middle of it and kind of looking at my dad like, "Hey, you know this this really doesn't matter." I'm like, "This really I could care less." And that was always my attitude, and I I got a little grief from it from my dad because no dad wants to be told by their seven year old kid to stop talking. <laughs> right. But uh. But yeah, and that's where I really realized, you know, my dad did do something right. He he did instill into me that like, hey, you know, he always used to say, I love you no matter what. And I say that to my kids now. I'm going to be there for him no matter what. Win, lose, draw, whatever, bad call. So the purpose of the story really is that it took a seven-year-old kid to calm down a grown man because it was just a summer wrestling, you know, freestyle tournament. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it took me until I was probably either a freshman or sophomore because Davison's in the same conference as we're used to coach, Bay City yep. Western. Yeah. And I, I think I remember telling my dad, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I think that's the ref where I told you to be quiet, dad. Like he coaches now. 
and for sure it was. So that's it's a small world. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how that all comes full circle. And I always had a great conversation with your dad about wrestling and everything else. And uh, always, always fun. And it was always fun, fun to reminisce about those those old days. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about that on the podcast of the as an official, the lives that I've been able to affect and, and still keep track of all these kids and still celebrate their successes and everything else. And I want to say, Max, and I say this about a lot of kids, like you made it easy to officiate the match. Um, you guys just go out there and you're trying to score points, and you make it easy as official because all I could do is I stand back and I give the points that need to be awarded. I don't need to work on doing stalling, false start, because guys like you are wrestling the matches the right way. So I really appreciate that. And, and as we continue to grow wrestling, that's really an official's job is just to make sure that the, the uh, participants are safe and to call the match as they see it. And when there's not a lot of false starts, locked hands, things like that, kids are just going out and being aggressive. It makes it easier for the official to call a match. Yeah, never being an official, I never thought about that. But that that's a great point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I never did that on purpose. And I guess that was just how I wrestled. So, yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. So tell us how you got involved in the great sport of wrestling. Yeah, so – um so my dad wrestled back in the 80s. He was actually on Davidson's first ever state championship team in 1980 is when my dad graduated. Mm-hmm. Back with uh, Ken Elliott, Scott Stevens, uh, David Cram. I'm missing a few. Rick Burns, just complete studs. And uh, they ended up beating that, uh, a legendary Temperance Bedford team. And they, they won it the year after my dad was graduated, but... He was kind of just a middle-of-the-line kind of guy, someone that filled in a spot on the team, and he loved wrestling. So he got me into wrestling when I was six years old, but the beauty of it was he didn't he didn't push me very hard. He let the coaches push me because he knew he didn't know very much. So and, I, and it's a blessing to have your dad as an ex-wrestler, but I think it also there's good things to it to have him not be over your shoulder when a coach is trying to teach you. Because if you're going to let your kid go be with the coach, trust the coach kind right. of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's how I got into, into wrestling. <clears throat> um, so uh, that was probably at the age of six we're talking about, five or six mm-hmm. years old. Yeah. What's it like? Because, you know, I started wrestling when I was in sixth grade, so I was 11, 11 12 okay. years old. Um, what's it like when you start something so young? It's really confusing. Cause I can be honest with you. I, when the time we're talking about, we just went over to go full circle here. I probably didn't even know what the points were when I told my dad to calm down. <laughs> like, I don't think I knew the points until I was eight, nine years old. You just go, your dad tells you go pen them. I don't know. You, you go, you go take them down or something. So right. it, it, but it gives you an advantage because you're, I think, as a sixth grader, you were probably just as confused. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I think as a six-year-old, at least I had time to – I mean, I got my butt kicked a lot when I was a little kid. And then, you know, you, you work harder and you work harder, and like anything in life, you start getting pretty good. Right, right. That's it's funny. I, I think in sixth grade, all I, real, all I knew was that getting pinned was bad. <laughs> and I had a had – a, teammate travis van kirk i'll never forget it my first year of wrestling he was my practice partner and he pinned me in an outside cradle every single day in practice about 15 to 20 times of practice 
I could not stop an outside cradle. But when I continued wrestling, I don't remember ever getting cradled. And, and it goes back to I was in that position so many times and failed at that position until finally I figure out how to not get myself into that position because I didn't want to be in there anymore. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's a real thing, too. That's, that's a real, real thing. Yeah, yeah. So you wrestle as a youth, you come in, and then um, go to Davidson as a freshman. What's it, First of all, what's it like? Because at that time when you're there, um, there's some pretty good wrestlers in the room at the time, like Lincoln Olsen. Uh, I want to say uh, Jordan Cooks. Yeah, still mean I could could list off from from those teams and stuff. What was it like being in that room? Well, uh, for I came over. My my father didn't want me to come as a freshman, so I can't, I went to Davidson in seventh grade. So I got to have a couple of you know some good friends by the time I got into high school. But um, it it's definitely a humbling experience because I came in as a freshman, you know, not rank. I hate rankings, but as a 14 year old, I like to look at them. And mm-hmm. I, and I was like, yeah, I'm number one in the state. And then you come in, like you said, Lincoln Olson and a guy that no one ever brings up. He's coaching at Michigan state. Now is Justin Oliver, Justin Oliver. He looked, he didn't look the part, but he was probably the best wrestler on our team. If I had to pick, he was, yeah. he was a stud. He was, and he wor- He was a great kid, and he worked really hard. And and the difference, I guess, between him and some of the really good wrestlers is um, wrestlers have egos, right? Mm-hmm. And when you're on a team full of egos, sometimes it's not good. And and he didn't really have that big of an ego, you know. And and I had my own ego, so our egos would clash. You know, it's not like a small town school where oh, we're gonna have everyone's back. It's more like it's a training facility almost. We come here, I mean, and I, and I don't mean to call out the other big programs too, but they're all just like training facilities. None of those kids really went there when they were young. None of the kids really, you know, grew up that like had close friends where they're still friends with today. You know, it's just, it's there for wrestling. So it's a good and bad thing if you ask me. Mm. Well, I, I mean, I think that, in some aspects, these, these programs become, um, it, there's, there's some what's brands or some what's coaches and everything else, but people like to be part of things. And, and some of these programs oh, yeah. offer things outside of wrestling itself. Uh, when you look at some of them from an academic standpoint, things like that, and whether it's a bigger school or smaller school. So there are some aspects that, um, people gravitate towards programs with strong history and legacy and things like that. Um, that's but, why but, yeah. I went to Davison. Yep, hundred percent. No one recruited me there. I I I went there myself. So, <laughs> so what was it like being coached by Roy Hall? So like, uh, so I know we'll probably get into it, but I coach now, and um, Coach Hall is probably the single most reason why I wanted to become a coach, because um, Coach Hall will get into your head, and he will he'll make you want to run through a brick wall. He'll say. My favorite thing, how I describe him, is he'll say something to you, and three days later, it'll finally make sense. Because it was so deep, at the moment, you're like, what did he just say to me? But three days later, you're like, oh, oh, now I know what coach meant. So so it was awesome. I didn't really, and I got more of a strategic uh, coach hall. I didn't get the coach hall the early 2000s that would have banged my head against the wall and <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I uh, I got the coach hall who had seen it all. So it was it was good. It was good for that reason, you know. 
Right. Right. That, you know, I think as coaches, as we get older, um, we mature a little bit, but I also think it just that you, you adapt to the times. I don't think you, I don't think coach Hall is, has ever been less of a coach. I just think no. that he has adopted, uh, adapted to the, or adapted to the times that he's been in and, you know, has done his best in, in bringing the program to where, to where it's at now, where I, I, I can still remember as a, as a young high school athlete wrestling Davidson kids like Casey Streeter and just amazed at how technically sound those guys were from their feet. Um, he really developed a style, especially from neutral that, that is pretty much copied and emulated a lot today. Um, and being in fantastic shape and wearing your opponent out, uh, things like that. No, I mean, that's, that's how I coach. And, um, and honestly, uh, it still works today. And you are right about him changing because because when he started, he had more kids that were just starting out and he had to train. When I went to Davidson back in 2012, like you said, there was Lincoln Olsen, Jordan Cooks, Justin Oliver, me, a bunch of other kids that really, we didn't need that much coaching. We needed some philosophy and stuff. But coaching-wise, we had been coached by every coach. So, hmm. yeah, it's yeah. different times, just like you're saying. Hmm. So, tell me about – so, your freshman year – you make it to regionals, and, and you know don't wrestle to to the to why we think your ability would be. Come back your sophomore year. What was like the going from not making out of regionals as a freshman to your sophomore year, making to the top of the mountain? What was that journey like? Well, it was even sweeter because if you were if if you were at my weight at the time, you know this, but. I and this is my I didn't cut weight good my freshman year. I didn't know how to cut weight. And there's actually, you know, there's a way to do it, healthy way. And um I actually missed weight at regionals my freshman year. So I didn't I didn't not make it out. I uh I missed weight. I couldn't wrestle. Yeah. So um so it made it even sweeter the next year. I ended up going up to 112. And when I tell you that I watched every calorie, I mean, I weighed everything I drank. It was, I was truly dedicated, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I felt the difference wrestling. Like I, I, and I hate to dog my buddy because he's one of my best buddies, Benny Gomez. Mm-hmm. If you're around wrestling in Michigan, you know who Benny Gomez is. Yeah, Holtz, uh, first and only four-time All-State wrestler and state champion himself. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool for Benny. That's really cool. Um, so when I I had caught him to win my state title, and I and I'll say it, I caught him. He was kicking my butt in the state semis, and uh, and I just think that I felt better. He was cutting so much weight, and I was I was eating good foods, and my body recovered so much faster that I had the energy when he was tired to hit a big move, you know. So. And um, so that was so the difference between my freshman and sophomore year was totally different. I mean, it was like night and day after I missed weight at regionals. My I thought my life was over. I didn't think that you know the sun was gonna shine the next day. Mm-hmm. And then after you win states, you almost had. I tell kids now that when you win states, it's almost harder to win the next one because you get complacent. My whole life, I wanted to be a state champ, so. By the time I was a sophomore, I'm a state champion. And I'm telling myself I want to be a three-time state champ. But honestly, to myself, looking back as a 24-year-old, I was a little complacent. 
you know, I got to call myself a state champ. Right. Uh, <laughs> and you get the target, I guess is what I'm saying. I had a target on my back my whole – the junior year, the year after I won states, it, I had a target on my back, and I didn't really take that as serious I probably should have. And I lost a couple matches I probably shouldn't have, but uh, that's wrestling for you. Right. No, I mean it, the the ebbs and flows, and and you achieve your goal, and it, and it gets it gets harder to get back at it. I've talked to a couple of guys that have been able to um, repeat, and they've talked about how difficult it is that second year to win it um, because of just like you said, you get you get everybody's best best every yeah. single time when they step on the mat. So uh, and, and having to compete with that day in and day out, and wrestling the schedule that you guys wrestle, which is always top notch. You you don't wrestle a lot of uh soft teams when you go to when you go to a school like davison yeah no <laughs> so you end up finishing your career as a three-time all-stater yeah uh, what and being part of uh three state fi- uh, finalist teams at davison which uh you guys all had like some unique those three finals appearances were all unique matches in their own set and and uh just chopping you know chopping a bit uh knocking on the doorstep and probably put the seeds in motion for that 2021 team that won last year, um, getting so getting so close, and those teams having the the motivation from your guys' past to set their own future and, and win it. Um, after you get done wrestling, what was kind of the next step for you? What did you want to do after that? So, um, I mean, I hate to boo-hoo. I'm not going to give the whole story here, but uh... – so my whole senior year, I wrestled with two completely numb arms. Like, I don't even think Coach Hall wanted me to wrestle, but I don't think Coach Hall knew how bad it was. Just being honest, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want anyone to know. So what ended up happening was my C6 vertebrae, my C7 vertebrae, were like 40% herniated inward into my spinal column. Uh-huh. So it was blocking the nerves that went to my arms. And I had tried everything, and then, like, finally, like, I tried a third epidural injection, and it made – it was, like, Popeye. It, made, it just swelled both of my arms right up. Mm-hmm. And I ended up wrestling with it. But then, at that point, I knew there was no wrestling in college. Like, I had some really good Division two offers. I could have got a little bit of money in Division one, not much. I, they would have let me on the team, though, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um. But uh, I just – and this was the hardest thing I had to do. So I had to tell them, you know, like, stop recruiting me. I mean, I, it's not even worth your time because – so 16, I graduated. The beginning of 17, that that March, I got complete – I don't even know what kind of surgery they call it. I'm not a surgeon, but they took mm-hmm. out my C6, my C7. They replaced it with pig bone, and they put uh, – they put a plate in there with six metal screws. So, um, actually, if, so, like, really what I wanted to do, if you take it back to 15-year-old Max, I probably wanted to, and I'm a knucklehead for saying this, mm-hmm. I wanted to wrestle in college, and then I wanted to go be an MMA fighter. Like, that would have been, <laughs> like, that would have been what I wanted to do. It's like, I would have loved to go be an MMA fighter. But mm-hmm. you obviously can't do that with bolts and stuff in your neck. No commission's going to okay that so right yeah so i guess that would have been what i wanted to do but in life you have to pivot and i'll tell i'll tell you this for everyone to hear 
I am 10 times more humble of a human being after I went through all the stuff I went through with my neck. I, I was, I had a very big ego before. I thought I was better than people. I now realize that no one's better than anyone. You might be better at wrestling or football or, or better at school, but that doesn't mean you're a better person. And then mm-hmm. I try to be a better person every day. Right. Well, that's good to hear that, the through, through your trials and tribulations that you've been, uh, humbled so to speak and now you you can reflect i think time does that for us all yeah you're coaching at uh assistant coach at flint kersley what's that experience been like so coming from somewhere like davison um it's it's definitely a different experience the attitude of the parents and kids uh good and bad it's it's just a different kind of world and I, and I don't mean that at Kersley. I mean, today, it's a different world. Parents raise their kids different now. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said, how Coach Hall coached, I can't coach kids how I was coached. I, I don't think it would be legal. <laughs> uh, so I, I, my biggest thing is I can teach you every move underneath the sun. I can teach you a single leg series. I can teach you a top series to go into a crab ride, to go to a pen. I can teach you all of that stuff. But I think the biggest thing about coaching and what Coach Hall, going back to Coach Hall, what he's so good at and these other coaches that do sustain a program, we can say Mitch Hancock and and uh, the Dundee coach. Uh, Coach Roberts. Coach Roberts. These guys have had these programs for so long. They treat people well and – it, and they and they do the same, you know. They do the same thing, and they do the same thing. They're not changing up what they do. Right, right. Trying to adjust and everything else. Uh, yeah. What would you say has been the, the best experience, like from from your perspective as an assistant coach? Um, what what have you seen as a positive thing that you feel like is reflected in the teachings that you've had, um, coaching wise? Yeah. So. This is an easy one for me. Um, last year, so I started at Kersley like two and a half, three years ago. I've always been an assistant volunteer coach, like not getting paid or anything, just coming in, volunteering in the summer and stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was a kid who was a state qualifier his sophomore year. Like, I think he started as an eighth grader, seventh grader. Um, he was a 145-pounder last year. And um, I remember he – I, I have I'll always have respect for this kid because he was super talented, but never really knew how talented he was for until his senior year. And I think I got there and I think he realized after I beat up on him every day, a little 130 pounder was beating up on him. He didn't like it. And he started taking it serious his senior year. And he went from I don't even think he was in the rankings to at, in the regional finals. He beat the kid who ended up taking second in state and he took fifth at state. Right. And I, and I'll always remember because all of us coaches at Kersley are winners. So they kind of were looking at him like, oh, fifth is okay. I looked right at him and said I was proud of him and gave him a big old hug because I can promise you he didn't think he was going to place at States at the beginning of the year. Right. And he worked so hard and he got his weight down. And I, and I just remember coaching his fifth place match. The kid was ranked above him all year and he just tore the kid apart. And now he's going to a community college and he's, you know, he's getting an education, he's getting to wrestle. So I, that would probably be my one, my biggest success story. And two, I mean, I just, 
I love the kid. I still check on him to make sure he's getting his grades done in college, et cetera, getting, you know, things in life done. Mm-hmm. That's always nice. I, it, the reflect on those, those positive stories and how they, how they um, shape us and why we do it in the first place as coaches, why we give so much of our time to yeah. young people to see them be successful. So that's great to hear. Uh, we're at the part of the podcast where we talk about kind of what your advice is to coaches on how to build successful programs from, from your lens, from what you've seen over your years of wrestling. So the yeah. floor is yours. So I think number one, I think you need to treat everyone equally, treat everyone good. So there's annoying parents, there's parents that irk you, there's coaches that irk you, there's refs that irk you. But I think to build a successful program, you have to treat everyone the right way. You have to treat everyone equal, treat everyone nice. And, I, and if this could be in football, baseball, wrestling, basketball, because I don't think you're going to get as much as out of the kid is if you don't, if you treat your number one kid better than you treat your number 10 kid, the number 10 kids not really going to care. And you might need that kid down the line, you know? Right. So uh, I think it's treating everyone with a great attitude I think it's being accountable to be a leader of young men or men. You have to be accountable because if, if you're skipping practice or, or you're not doing the right things in your life and, and you're kind of being a bad influence, there's no way those kids are going to do what you tell them to do, which is the right thing, you know? So it's treating people right. And, it, and it's doing the right thing yourself. I, I always remember uh, a, a guy I love to talk to when I get a chance is Dave Dean. Mm-hmm. And he wrestled for uh, Jay Robinson. And I remember him telling me of how much of a leader of men he was. Just a leader of of just because he was like in the army and he went to the army, came back, became a coach. And, I, and we're losing coaches like that. And I think, you know, just being a leader of men, showing young men how, you know, this is how I live my life and this is the right way to live my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, putting those uh... – principles and standards together to help all of our young athletes succeed and understand what it takes to be successful hard work and never give (laughs) never care attitude but really persevering through adverse times because it's going to happen and it's kind of the beauty of wrestling in itself it it is an accurate reflection of life where you're going to get knocked down things are going to go your way and how do you process that how do you make a game plan to move forward because you can't just sit and wallow in your own self-pity you got to keep moving forward and you have to continue to be the best version of yourself. And I can't, and I can't find a better comparison of that than getting penned. And then you have to go wrestle the state champ next match or getting beat. And you still have to go win the next match for your team or not get pinned or, or whatever the situation is, it's hard, you know, and then you go and you persevere that that's what wrestling is. No, yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Well, Max, it has been a pleasure to talk to you. It's great to hear that you're doing well and that your team is being successful. I know that has a lot to do with your experiences and everything else, and you keep working hard with those kids along with the, your very good coaching staff at Kersley, and I yeah. wish you good luck the rest of the year. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, Coach, and uh, I'm here for you whenever you need anything. <laughs> Thank you. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Coach T Podcast by my dad.